0: Amen. Open up to Psalm 46, Psalm 46. This is an appropriate psalm given the fact that we just prayed for some of our partner churches who are going through uh, all-out disaster because Psalm 46 is one of the most recognizable, uh, famous, and impactful psalms throughout history. This is where Martin Luther's uh, song, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, the battle hymn of the Reformation came from. And I have a feeling that in this psalm, we find some of people's most treasured verses in the entire Old Testament. Maybe this is your favorite psalm. Maybe your life verse is in this psalm. But we're going to go into Psalm 46. And here's the thing. This psalm is all about finding strength and power in the Lord's presence. Because the Lord is with us, we can feel strong and we can feel protected and we can feel provided for. Strength means power, it means protection, and it means provision, and God wants to be your source of power, of protection, and provision. Uh, Now, I've told you for the last several weeks that Lauren and I were getting ready to move. We were renovating a fixer upper. Uh, We had, we bit off more than we can chew. I mean, we are way in over our heads, and so, but we actually moved in on Thursday. We showed up and it was insane, the downstairs isn't done, we have one bathroom for our entire family of uh, five, Ellie's home, we have one working bathroom right now, so we're living out of boxes, I managed to find my socks this morning somehow, don't know how, but it's been really crazy, but when I think of power, during the move, you know, we've got three teenagers, so they had their teenage friends over, and uh, they were bringing in one of our TVs, and a teenager stepped on the power cord of the TV, took a step and ripped the power cord out of the back of the TV. Now, they engineered this wisely because it was designed to actually pull free without breaking the TV. The problem is, when I tried to put the power cord back in, a tiny little part fell inside of the TV and started rattling around. So I had to take the whole back off. Here's a picture. Uh, Because what happened was the TV had no power. So I pulled the back off of the TV. 34 tiny little screws. I mean tiny. Here's the next picture. And there's the, there's the piece right there that fell off and got lodged inside the TV. And then here's the next picture. I had to reattach the power cord to the TV, and I finally did it, and it, and it worked <laughs> because the TV has power. Now, when, when we talk about power, there are so many people living this life without the power of God connected to their problems. Maybe you, right now, Do not have a spiritual power cord. Listen, listen, you're not plugged in to what God has. You are not plugged in. That piece has been broken off for a long time, and you have no power, you have no protection, and you have no provision. Now, this psalm is going to help you to plug back in to God, our source of power and might. So check out Psalm 46. It says to the choirmaster master of the sons of Korah, uh, according to Alamoth, a song. Remember, the psalms are songs. So this is not just something that somebody thought of and wrote down. It, this is actually something that was sung in the Old Testament. Here's what it says. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar in foam, Though the mountains tremble at its swelling, say Selah." The first thing you can jot down is this, God is a mighty fortress. God is a mighty fortress. He is our refuge and strength. The word refuge means shelter in the storm. It's the place you run when the skies open up and lightning is just, you know, thunder is roaring. It's the place where you run, where you think that, you know, your regular house is about to be swept away. Uh, This is where you go. This is a shelter in the storm. And God is that. God is our refuge. God is our strength. The word strength, of course, means power. He is our power. He protects us. He He surrounds us. He is our refuge. It says, a very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. Now the nuances in the in the hebrew are actually pretty cool it's like abundantly found it's like a compound word it's like like found abundantly he is very present that could mean that he is able to be found easily or it could mean he is ready to be found willingly Uh, it can also mean because he is findable he is trustworthy whatever But the nuances all add up to this. You can find him. He's there. He's he's abundantly there. He is a God who is found in trouble. He's a very present help in trouble. Now, everybody likes all of these wonderful things that I'm saying about God, right? He's a fortress. He's strong. He's ever present in, 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 say it with me, trouble. We don't like that. I want God to be strong. I want him to be present. I want him to be awesome, but I don't want the trouble. Don't give me the trouble. Give me the God, but don't give me the trouble, right? But here's the thing. Who goes to a storm shelter when the weather's beautiful out? Who goes inside? Oh, I better get inside. Why? It's perfect out. I don't know. You don't go to the shelter unless you have problems. So this implies that there there are going to be problems. And this is one of those Psalms, one of those places in the Bible where the problems couldn't be more frightening. We're not talking about a tummy ache here, right? All oh, a little acid indigestion. We're not talking about minor league issues. This is this is horrific stuff that's going down in this psalm. All right. So God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Jot this down. Do not fear. Do not fear. Because God is our refuge, a very present help. He's abundantly found. He's ready to help. The psalmist is proclaiming radical trust in the midst of chaos and sheer terror. So do not fear. Do not fear. Uh, What are you afraid of right now? What are you afraid of right now? When you look out onto the horizon of your life, what is it that you are afraid of? Who is it? that you are afraid of? Don't point. Who is it that you are my youngest child? Who is it? There's something right now in your life and when you're doing the math, you're like, boy, that could really do me in. That that could really take me out. If that comes, you're doing your calculus, right? If, If that comes to pass, we could really be in trouble medically, financially, relationally, politically right? Professionally. I could, if this, if this happens, if this happens, what are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of right now? We want to trust God, but when problems arrive, we lose sight of God. There's a song called Oceans by Hillsong United that came out many years ago. Do you know the song Oceans? And uh, one, of, one of the anthems of the faith and one of the parts of the song says, Spirit lead me when, like through problems, right? Spirit lead me uh, and and so that that is such a uh, serene part of the song. But somebody took that part of the song and applied it to a person who was was not uh, who was really afraid. And they said, "Yep, yeah, this is pretty much how I am. I like to sing that song, but I'm really actually afraid." So check out this video. I like the caption it said spirit lead me when my trust is without borders that's me also me this screaming person meaning both are me I want to say that I want to sing that but then I'm like no I'm not gonna make it and maybe you just feel so afraid right now maybe you are just outright terrified maybe you don't want to step out by faith and trust God maybe you 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 can't see how this thing is going to come together right Uh, that's us, right? (laughs) We scream in terror on the inside or on the outside. I'm a worrier. I'll admit it. I'm a worrier. I like to have things figured out. There's nothing wrong with having a plan. There's nothing. The wise man, right, counts the cost. So I'm not talking about wisdom. Yes, you should be wise. And also the wise man sees trouble and turns away, meaning there are some things that you should be afraid of and you should avoid, okay? So, there is a righteous fear, but this psalm really gets at the heart of unrighteous fear. The fear that goes beyond your ability to control and command your situation. When you are on that border where you have done everything you can do to be wise and to be informed and to be prepared, right, and, and to have command over everything you're in charge of, then, then you can't do anything more. What then? What next? And you could choose to totally freak out and lose it and act like there's no God in, in heaven above, Or you can, at that moment, say, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to lose it. When it comes to worrying and trying to figure it all all out, you can imagine a renovation that lasted a month long and then moving in. You know, there was a lot to fear. The housing market is very peculiar right now because like a lot of things, there's a very low supply there's a very high demand. So tons of people looking for a house, very few houses available because people don't want to move. So Lauren and I were really blindsided by the fact that when we started looking at at houses, there were also hundreds of other people looking at these houses. And uh, it was so bad that when you'd want to go see a house, uh, it'd go on the market Thursday, and then all day, sun up to sundown, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there would be people lined up to see the houses scheduled in 15-minute increments. 8, 8.15, 8.30, 9 o'clock, or 8.45, 9.15, 9.30, 9.45, you, now you, now you, a line. It was like six flags. And then by Monday, there would be 5 to 10 to 15 to 20 offers on the house. We were like, How are we even going to buy a house? Like, we were really afraid that we weren't going to be able to buy a house. And we were selling our house to our neighbors. Really awesome situation. Uh, They wanted to buy our house. Their their daughter was going to move in. It was all working out. We had an agreement with them. And we're like, guys, we don't know what we're going to do because we don't think we can actually buy a house. (laughs) Like, some nights we went to bed and we're like, we don't know what we can do. And we were tempted to fear... And it's awesome now that we, we moved in on Thursday and I could tell you for two hours the whole story, but God provided us with a house that wasn't at an insane price. We wanted to do a fixer-upper and we were able to do that and we're super grateful, but God really orchestrated everything and we were, we were afraid of the price, the project, the seller, the buyer. We were afraid of everything. And I got to tell you, when we finally signed the deal and went over there, like all of my fears just disappeared. They just vanished. Like God took care of of all of it. We've got some pictures here, which is kind of cool. Uh, we we, all, Everybody's moving this weekend, apparently, so they said, we can't give you one big truck. We'll give you two smaller trucks, which is kind of cute. Lauren and I are both driving moving trucks that match, matching moving trucks. Jared and his buddies were out there helping us to get the one house packed up. Here's the next picture, uh, and <laughs> that's, the downstairs is not ready, as you can see. It's a ranch, so the upstairs is uh, more ready than the downstairs. I put the flooring in, which is a really great workout. If you're looking for a workout plan, put a floor in, and that'll get you going. And uh, that's our upstairs bathroom. Lauren picked this really cool design. Uh, We're still getting that together. So you can see that we are in process of moving in, right? And we didn't move far. We moved from Alsip to Crestwood, you know, so it's five minutes away. But man, I got to tell you, I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid, and God did more than we could have asked or imagined, even in this crazy market. So I don't know what you're afraid of. For me, that was top of the list. Are we going to have a place to stay? Uh, But don't be afraid. God is a mighty fortress. Now, in this psalm, the psalmist starts out with natural problems. Uh, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. Now, yes, yes, this is describing natural disasters, right? Mountains moved into the sea. Waters roaring and foaming. Mountains trembling because the water is rising up to the mountains. It sounds, but we're supposed to recognize a few things here. This sounds a lot, kind of like the flood, right? This sounds a lot like total world devastation. And it also kind of sounds like the undoing of creation in the beginning the world was covered with water god started separating the water from the land well now this is being undone the water is rising up and it's almost like creation is falling apart Uh, also the way that old testament folks would have thought is that this also represents a cosmic battle like because there's war in heaven earth is falling apart the sea in particular was a metaphor for the untamable cosmic forces, uh, powers of darkness in the heavenly realms. So this, this is like the worst possible way to describe the natural world falling apart and the supernatural world falling apart. So jot this down. God is a mighty fortress. Do not fear. Write this down. Even when the world falls apart, even when the world falls apart, We will not fear, though the earth gives way. I kind of picture like this psalmist getting really rubbed up about God and somebody right next to him. And he's like, we're not going to be afraid. And that person's like, yeah, even if the whole world falls apart and there's no planet or creation left. And that guy's like, huh? I'd be afraid. If I was there when he was writing this, I'd be like, "Uh, I'd be afraid of that. You're talking about the whole planet just cracking open like an egg? And this guy's like, I'm not afraid of anything. Well, I am. This is radical faith. He really is getting carried away with his trust in God, even when the world falls apart. So here's what's good about this psalm. Yes, God is a mighty fortress, and I'm not going to be afraid. But what about when God doesn't seem to be coming through? That's the point. What about when all my worst fears are actually coming through beneath my coming true beneath my feet? That's what this psalm is written for. This psalm is not like, I prayed and God answered, and it was over by sundown. This is like, I'm praying, and the whole world is rumbling, and I'm still trusting him. Right? And the natural order is coming undone. And the psalmist knows that God commands the natural order. The supernatural order is coming undone. And the psalmist knows that God commands the supernatural order. Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you, if you feel like your whole world is falling apart, God is in control. He is your refuge and your fortress, even when everything is falling apart. Everything. When I think of what this psalmist is describing, because I grew up in the 80s, I love the movie The Never-Ending Story. And in The Never-Ending Story, everything was coming apart. Because the nothing was coming to, and so I've got a video of Atreyu uh, when the nothing finally catches up to him and, and everything's falling apart. Check it out. This is what the psalmist is describing. Yeah, welcome to Psalm 46. That's what's going on in here. And maybe that's what you feel like your life is like right now. You're holding on and your feet are flapping in the wind. God, do you have this? This is what this psalm is for. When you feel like you've got nothing to hold on to, this is what this psalm is for. When you feel like you can't stop the collapse, welcome to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. When the turmoil keeps raging and the storm is getting louder, hey, this is what you need. God is a mighty fortress. God is a mighty fortress. That's when you say it. That's when you say it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when the skies grow dark and you lose sleep and you can't see the way out. Don't be afraid when one more thing happens. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. God is a mighty fortress. That's number one. Number two, jot this down. God is with us in distress. God is with us in distress. He says this in verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. What's that? Well, we're in Jerusalem. So this psalm is, is set in Jerusalem, the city of God. And God chose Israel out of all the nations to be his people and rescued them out of Egypt, right? Let my people go. And then he promised that from this people group there would come a Savior, a Messiah, uh, Jesus Christ. So that was his plan for Israel. So Jerusalem was literally the earthly throne room, the dwelling place of God. That's why the tabernacle and the temple were there. This psalm commemorates the dwelling place of God, which is the city of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved God will help her when morning dawns, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. So we're kind of in a besieged city right now, the world is falling apart all around, nations are in turmoil, and the city of God, the people of God, are secure, because God is with them. We've got to unpack this a little bit. Basically, the idea is God is with us in distress. Nature first, now the nations are in turmoil. And there's some illusions here that look back and that look ahead. It says there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There is no river going to Jerusalem. There never has been. So it's a little confusing. That could mean that spiritually, Jesus said he's the water of life. It could mean that spiritually God satisfies the people of God with the water of life, and that's true. Uh, it could also mean looking ahead that if you read the prophecy in Ezekiel and if you know what's going to happen in the end times and in the millennial kingdom, the upheaval of the world, the earthquakes, the things moving, stuff falling from the sky is going to change the landscape of, of the world. And uh, Jerusalem is said, it's going to, there's going to be changes there, it's going to be lifted up, there's, and there will be a river flowing out of Jerusalem. So some see this, uh, even though Ezekiel was not written yet, some see this as a prophecy where this, this uh, psalmist had a, had a vision, was a seer, was able to talk about the city of God uh, because God showed him what was going to happen in the future, and it is very apocalyptic. He's describing things going on in the world as if he's kind of got a copy of Revelation in his hand, So it could be prophetic that he's saying there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Now that's definitely a look back because it said when morning dawned, when Israel was fleeing from Pharaoh and his army and going through the Red Sea, it was when morning dawned that God brought the sea back and destroyed the army of Pharaoh. That for sure looks back at the great victory that God brought about. Uh, for for Israel the nations rage the kingdoms totter he utters his voice the earth melts listen I know you might feel like you've got no control right now you might feel like you can't get this thing where you want it you might feel like you don't know how this is going to end listen the whole world in this psalm is falling apart God just says one word he just speaks and the whole thing melts away it's that easy for him it's that easy for him He is with us when we're in distress. Here's a picture of the uh, Israelites when they were making their way through the wilderness. And uh, God was present with them. And the tabernacle was just a tent, but it was the throne room of God. And the Israelites set up their camp all around this central meeting place where Moses could go in and, and meet with God, either here or sometimes in a tent outside the camp. And uh, God's glory would come down on that place. And then when Moses would come out from meeting with God, his face would glow because he was with God. And here's what's so cool. In the New Testament, it says that they worshipped with veiled faces, meaning they, they had to shield the glory, right? But they said in the New Testament, we worship with unveiled faces, meaning we don't have to cover up the glory. The glory of God is inside each one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. So while in the Old Testament, there was literally a place where God was present, and you you couldn't go in there because you would actually die, the Bible says in the New Testament, we are the temple of God. The church is where God is now dwelling. The believers is now where God sets up his holy ground in this world. That should blow you away. Theologically, you should wonder how you survived it, right? Right? How did we survive becoming the holy habitation of Almighty God? We should have just, poof, turned into a smoke. Vapor. It's amazing what God has done. So we are now where God dwells, which is astonishing. And in the New Testament, this is called the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. And if you turn to him and repent of your sins... The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, the Spirit of Christ. And then God is with you. He will never leave you, He will never forsake you. So, have you believed on Jesus Christ? Here's a picture of what He did on the cross. Jesus died to take away your sins. It took a sacrifice because the wages of sin is death. And when you look upon the one who died for you and confess that you need a Savior, when you believe that Jesus rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Most High, and you crown him Lord of your life, guess what? God is with you, and he will never, ever leave you. You become that citadel. You become that fortress, because God is the one who envelops you, and you have nothing to fear. But listen, this is only true if you are a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not, you are utterly defenseless in this world. Are you saved? If so, God is with you in all of your distress. The idea that there is a city of God here is also a New Testament theme. Verse four, "There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God." Are you a citizen of the kingdom of Christ? It says in Philippians 3:20, "Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await our Savior from there. Are you a citizen? Do you have dual citizenship? Have you been granted a place in Christ's kingdom? It's, heaven is his kingdom. It's not yours, right? Heaven is not like you get to show up and build your own Disneyland. Well, I want it to look like this and this and this. It's not, listen, it's not yours. It's not yours. It's his. Are you a citizen of his heavenly kingdom by faith in him? God is with us in distress And that is true if we are in the city of God. If we are of the people of God. He is with us. God is with us. Verse 5. In the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. He is our fortress. So it says that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Jot this down. He will provide for us a a river of gladness. He will provide for us. When some people talk about heaven, they're not really excited about it, as if they suspect that God's not going to get the job done correctly. Well, what are we going to do forever? (laughs) What? As if they're already giving it one star. I'm not impressed. You haven't even seen it yet. Yeah, but I just can't imagine what it could be like, as if you're unentertainable. Like, when I get there, it better be really amazing. It's heaven! And by the way, what on earth is truly impressive? I mean, come on, is there anything down here that's going to last? Do you really want to stay here forever? Because I got news for you, this world is going to fall apart. Everything's going to rust and break eventually, right? So by comparison, heaven's going to be pretty amazing. But some people are not impressed. They're like, I just don't even know. Like, what are we going to do up there? Are we just going to sing with our harps? They're not impressed. Listen, when you read what heaven is going to be like, uh, it's going to be perfect bliss for all time. God's getting very carried away. Okay, the streets are made of gold. There is a river running through. The dimensions, which are uh, meant to be symbolic, but also, I think, testify to an even greater reality. But you're talking about a 25 hundred mile long wide high city where the walls are made of every precious jewel like and the tree of life is spanning this river and God's glory is lighting up this jewel encrusted city can you see it can you see it it's going to be spectacular (laughs) nothing you have ever imagined is like it The best part is Christ is there. That's the best part. If it was just him in a cardboard box, I'd want to be there forever, all right? But it's him and paradise even better. Wow, he is going to provide for us. Are you struggling to trust God's provision? Often people struggle to trust God's provision. Well, I don't know if he's going to actually give me what i really need you know sometimes people in relationships when they're trying to find that special someone to marry they kind of hide jesus behind them right well i don't want you to come out because you're going to scare him away right i'll take care of this one as if he's going to take away what will truly make you happy and and send you misery right they don't trust god's provision oh no i can't trust god with this one he's not going to get the job done Do you struggle to trust God's provision? Well, I don't know how he's going to meet all of my needs. I mean, I've done the math, and according to my Excel spreadsheet, like, he's got a heavenly accounting department, folks. His angels are great at math. But still, right, we don't trust him. We're like, well, I just don't see how this is going to work out. Do you struggle? Right now, are you struggling to trust God's provision in some area of your life? Do you need an answer? Do you need a need met? Do you need a relationship to be fixed or repaired? And are you struggling to trust His provision? To know that He will satisfy you? That only God can settle you safely in a place of rest and give you joy. Are you tempted to walk away from God to try and find your happy? Are you tempted to think that it's He's in the way obstructing your desire to get to what you think will make you happy. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Trust God to provide for you. He will. Jot this down. Trust God to protect you. He will protect you. He'll provide for you and he'll protect you. My goodness, the whole world is falling apart in this psalm. Literally, God's right there. He's holding it all together. The mountains are are being thrown into the sea. He's right there. The world is filling up with water again? Doesn't matter. He's protecting. He's protecting. He's protecting Jerusalem against all natural and supernatural unrest. Now, if you know the history of Israel, which could be an entire sermon, it's amazing that there is a nation of Israel right now. And still, they are under siege. There are entire countries that want Israel just gone. And God still has to protect this tiny little country from destruction. And so if you followed the news, Hamas, a terrorist organization, like like lobbed 3,000 rockets at Israel, just indiscriminately firing at everything over the past couple of weeks. And here's a picture of Israel's Iron Dome defense system. And as the rockets are coming in on the right, you've got the Iron Dome firing off the protection on the left. And that picture is amazing. And uh, Israel's doing what it can to catch 90% of the rockets, right? But I, I love this idea of just war in the heavens over the people of God and the protection required. And, and you can't see it, but this is what's going on in the spiritual realm over you. God is protecting you. He doesn't need missiles. When, when angels look at our technology, when demons look at our technology, they're like, laughable right? Humans haven't even figured out cloaking yet. We had that down from the beginning. Look, look, our technology is not impressive, and the battle belongs to the Lord. So sure, do what you can, but the battle belongs to the Lord. God's got to protect you, or you're not getting through this. Are you struggling to trust God's protection? Do you think he can't get you through this? Are you wrestling with his goodness because of the partial collapses you've seen around you. Now there goes that mountain. Now there goes that mountain. Are you struggling to trust him? Hey, one word and the earth melts. God's got this. He will protect you. So number one, God is a mighty fortress. Do not fear, even when the world falls apart. Number two, God is with us in distress. He will provide for us. He will protect us. Number three, jot this down, be still and know he is God. Be still and know he is God. This could be your favorite verse in the whole Old Testament. Be still and know he is God. It goes on to say this. It says, come, verse eight, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Be still and know that he is God. Now the world is at war. There's desolations and this Definitely doesn't sound like anything that happened around David's lifetime. Maybe a look back to Pharaoh when peace came after Israel let in after the conquest. But this really seems to be looking ahead to when God ends it all. The whole war against him that started at the beginning. And God himself speaks in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's a promised perfect ending. Not just to your story, but to the whole story. That's why we can be still and know that he is God. Nature is convulsing. Nations are collapsing and conspiring. What can I do? Be still and know that he is God. Yes, the Bible gives us a clear and compelling call to action. To go and make disciples, right? This is not intended to create this, well, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to be still. You know, I don't have to work. I don't have to worship. That's not the point. The point point is not to become a sedentary Christian. There's plenty of places where we are to press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of us. So what does this actually mean? This is a call when life is falling apart to calm down. You you might just want to console yourself and say, your name, Ryan and then say, calm down, be still. You might want to tell yourself that. Be still, right? Calm down. You're freaking out. Stand firm. Don't move. Hold fast. Don't let go. Take heart. Don't give up. Don't run off. Don't strike the rock. Hey, be still. Be still. This is definitely depicted when God told Moses. Moses like, what are we going to do? Moses freaked out a bunch, didn't he? Oh, he knew how to freak out like the best of them. We're going to (laughs) die. What are we going to do? Dead end. Walk up to the Red Sea. What are we going to do now? And God's like, be still. The Lord will fight for you i just got to do this you just got to do this i'm just gonna stand here you're just gonna stand there you're gonna fight for me i'm gonna fight for you okay just lift up lift up your staff that's all he did be still the lord will fight for you when you've hit the end of your energy and your ideas and your wisdom and your provision be still and know know it know it know it he is God. Don't doubt it. Well, how big is he? We'll jot this down. He commands war and peace. He makes war cease to the end of the earth, verse 9. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. Is there anything more horrifying than war? My grandpa Jerry on my dad's side fought with the 45th Infantry Division in World War II, went across Africa after they tra- chased of there, and Uh, landed in Sicily, they went up, fought through Operation Husky, fought through Sicily, and then finally kicked the Germans back to Italy. And then you're supposed to go down Italy like a boot, according to Alexander the Great, but instead they came up the bottom, they got stuck. My Grandpa Jerry's unit went around behind enemy lines, Operation Shingle, and, and got back to basically landed behind enemy lines, and the whole point was, bring it on. They just attracted the German attention and got demolished, and in part helped to free up the Allied advance, and uh, then they liberated Rome. War is insane, and my grandpa had a camera. He wasn't supposed to, so the whole time he's snapping pictures and sending them back to mom and dad. And they got up into Germany and came from the south, and then uh, approaching Munich, liberated the Dachau death camp. Pictures, picture, horrifying, terrifying stomach-turning pictures kept coming back, coming back. And uh, when we were getting ready to move, I was getting everything. And one last thing I found in my house, I'm so glad I found it, is uh, my daughter had written a report on Grandpa in World War II. There was a picture on the floor. We almost left it behind. And it was a picture of trains. And he said, my train home. My train home. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't lose this. After all that he had been through, He took a picture and he's like, click, my train home, the war's over, I'm going home. And look, this is, this is what a picture is here. God's going to make all the wars cease. He's going to end it all. He's, the train home is here. Peace, protection, be still and know that he is God. He commands war and peace, permanent peace, permanent peace is coming. Jot this down. He will be exalted over all nations. He will be exalted over all nations. This is the end of the matter. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. "Law, Be still and know that he is God. As, as I pastor you through this psalm, let me just invite you as I often do when I meet with people and we're having lunch or make a hospital visit or whatever on the phone, and I'll listen to everything they're going through. And there's a lot of people are going through in our church unimaginable family problems, uh, health problems that can't be fully understood, rivalries that have lasted decades. I mean, there's big, big, big stuff that people will just unpack and tell me about it. And, and I always know when we're uh, approaching the point of the conversation, where I have to listen how they're going to end their sentence. Meaning, okay, you've told me everything that's going on. Okay, wow, that's big. Wow, that's bigger. Wow, that's hard. Wow, that's harder. And, and then I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for their faith. I'm waiting for the finale. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the, but I know God's going to get me out of this. And when it comes, I go, great. You're right. But sometimes it doesn't come. Sometimes I just hear the problems, and sometimes I hear the doubts, and sometimes I hear the sorrow, and sometimes I hear the fear, and then they're stuck there. And I have to help them finish the sentence. And maybe that's what you need from me today. Maybe God's heard it all, and everyone around you has heard it all, and my boss, and this, and my children, and my health, and the doctor. And you haven't finished the sentence yet. Hey, where's your God? Hey, where's your fortress? Hey, where's your faith? Hey, God's going to be exalted over the whole world. Say it. Say it. Finish the sentence. Where's your faith? Doesn't this whole psalm resemble Jesus calming the storm? <laughs> Wake up, we're going to die. And what does he say? What does he say to the storm? Be still. Be still. He's going to do that to everything. Be still. And then he looked at the disciples, and what did he say to them? Where's your faith? Maybe that's what he's asking you today. Are you finishing the sentence? Are you finishing the sentence? Because the psalmist does. Be still and know that I am God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we believe, but help us in our unbelief. I'm so blessed by the hymn that Martin Luther wrote straight out of this psalm. And Lord, I just read it as a prayer commemorating our faith in you. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus it is he. The Lord of hosts, his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Jesus, we praise you. We trust you. We love you. Our hope is in you. Our eyes are on you. We know no matter what we're going through, you are our fortress. And we cry out to you, Lord, deliver us. Maybe for the first time people are crying out today, save us. Save us, save us from everything. Lord, I pray that you would help us to finish the sentence by faith, to take all of our troubles to you. We can cast all of our cares upon you, but then to finish it, to say, but I know God's going to come through. I know he's going to provide. I know this isn't the end of the story. I know that my God is going to win. I'm safe in his presence. Lord, I just pray that you would fill us with all of that faith this week.